صباح الياسمين صباح الخير from Bethlehem Yesterday and today we're celebrating with you our 50th episode and to celebrate we've actually done three episodes this is the third episode why have we done this? it's because I thought we should try and give voice to a lot of people that were involved in the success of Sabah al-Yasmin. But then also talk to you a bit about why all of this is happening. We started off with an interview with my mother, because I do owe my parents a lot of what I am today, my grandparents and the family, the luck I had to be able to travel a lot from very young, as my mother was telling us yesterday, explore food, culture, people, and at the same time stay very much inscribed in my roots. And then yesterday and today in those second and third episode, we're giving voices to some of our listeners. I wish I could have all the listeners tell us what they think, and I wish we had unlimited hours on the radio and we could talk about food and Palestinian food and other foods and other experiences. I really want to thank the Diaspora to you for providing us music for yesterday and for today. And at that same occasion, I do want to thank the Jubran Trio for being all great cooks and having this ongoing discussion. And you, some of you have seen it on on social media with everything from Labna to Zatar to, to all those dishes, to Mu'ra, all those dishes that are really, really Palestinian in our identity. But it's not only about food. It's about what food provokes in people. That love for food, the love for cooking, the love for hospitality. And I want to start by telling you the story of Horsha Sirian and Fauda, the guest house and the restaurant I operate in Bethlehem. Not the story of the walls, because we're lucky to have to be hosted in historic walls that, that are leased out to us by the city of Bethlehem, who's been very supportive of us. But to tell you the story of why Horsha Sirian and Fauda and why Horsha Sirian and Fauda in that location, we're very lucky to be two minutes away from the heart of the old city, to be two minutes away from the farmer's market, and we're also very lucky with the team we have, with fabulous young Palestinians, mainly female. So all of that is inscribed in a reason why we're there, and the reason is not only to provide accommodation and good food, the reason is to provide beyond this, to create a space where people are comfortable, they're enjoying their time, create a space where people can create. And fauda means chaos. In the restaurant, on the wall, there's a saying that says, Al-Ibda' min al-fawda. And it means creativity comes from chaos. 
And this chaos is actually the fact that we go to the market in the mornings and whatever the farmers have dictates our menu. It is quite a new concept in restaurants in Palestine, but in reality it's not a new concept in how Palestinians eat. We've been lucky to have a very seasonal cuisine for centuries. We've been lucky to have in our small towns farmers that used to come to people's homes with their produce. And that has shaped a lot how our kitchen is. But then our kitchen traveled, and we talked about it yesterday a bit, but then it travels and it comes back sometimes. And the first listener that's joining us is somebody who is Palestinian. She was born abroad and came back to live in Palestine. So she discovered a lot of her Palestinian food while she was abroad, but then came back and discovered other foods, but also other ways of doing things. Paula, thank you for, for being with us this morning. Hi, my name is Paula. I'm a Palestinian from Bethlehem. I was fortunate to have spent my childhood raised in multiple places. I grew up mostly in the Caribbean islands in a tight-knit Arab community, but also in Mexico and the United States. I moved to Palestine in my late 20s, but growing up, Palestine was always present in my home. My maternal grandmother even had a bakery where she sold Arab sweets and cooked food. I was Afifi's granddaughter and grew up with the smell of her kitchen, which is still very vivid in my head. Maybe that is where my love for food stems from. So even if I have been living here for quite some time now, I still relate very much to the Palestinian experience abroad and their struggle to label their identity. That's why I love this show so much. I am not only familiar with Fadi and his amazing restaurant, I really connect on multiple levels with the guests and I love the fact that the topics are a mix of the love of food, storytelling, identity, preservation of culture, history. Also, due to the diverse nature of Fadi's guests, you can find one or guest that interests you and learn while being entertained. Seafood for me is nostalgic and provides me important connections to my family here and abroad and our nation. That's why I'm such a fan of this show. Paula, thank you for your passion for food. I know you're a fantastic cook, and I know that you come from a family that's always preserved Palestinian food wherever you were in the Caribbean and Mexico and the United States. But it's great to hear this, because just like I was thanking the diaspora trio in the beginning, our cuisine is a bit of a diaspora cuisine. It's evolved in each country where Palestinians settled. It's been adapted to local tastes or often to local produce and, and what was found. And as there are Palestinians across the globe, it, it got adapted to particularities all over. And then sometimes people were lucky and ended up being in a country where certain products were, were available. And sometimes they had to change all the ingredients of a recipe, but still preserve that recipe. It seems today I'm going to take you gradually from close to further away. And so now we're not going to go very far. We're going to Jerusalem. We're joined by somebody who's a great friend. Kike is a fabulous journalist, an incredibly creative photographer, and an exceptional human being. Sabah al-Khair, Kike. Mi nombre es Kike Kiersenbaum, soy periodista, fotógrafo y vivo en Jerusalén. Además, me gusta mucho cocinar. Sabaj el Yasmin ha sido una ventana para poder ver la caja de herramientas del chef 
Fadicatán y volver a sus raíces, entender de dónde viene su cocina y, y en momentos tan difíciles como los momentos de corona poder eh, escuchar, eh, debatir, eh, disfrutar y más que nada probar eh, la cocina palestina que Fadi lleva en su educación. No eh, el fusion moderno de su cocina diaria, eh, sino más que nada sus raíces. El volver atrás y escuchar de dónde vienen esas cosas. Ha sido un placer. He probado muchas de las recetas eh, y más que nada eh, en los momentos en que he necesitado, incluso me he, he cambiado mensajes, he escrito mensajes con Fadi para que me ayude eh, a, a, a llevar a cabo la receta. La verdad es que escuchar el programa es verdaderamente eh, una buena forma de mirar eh, a la cocina palestina con ojos de alguien que la vive día a día. Kike, muchas gracias. I have to admit, I studied Spanish for 12 years, but I'm unable to speak Spanish, even though Kike still tries to get me to speak Spanish. Yes, Kike, you're, you're touching on something very important, which is the roots. My cuisine, like a lot of chefs that try and modernize their cuisines and try and create um, the very personal interpretations of their national terroirs and their national kitchens, are based on our roots, are based on our foundations. You cannot create in vacuum. You create your continuation of a tradition, your continuation of a way of eating, your continuation of your land, of the products of the land. And in our case, this link to the land is very important because we've been exiled across centuries and one of the components of our identity has always been food. A lot of Palestinians that are refugees of 48 and 67, but then also a lot that left before, preserved traditions and very often They preserved culinary traditions and sometimes decided not to speak the language. A lot in Latin America because they arrived under the Ottoman Empire and they were called Turcos, decided not to teach their children Arabic. And they preserved every single recipe they took with them. And that's one of the fun things at the restaurant here at Fauda, is that I'm lucky to get quite a bit of guests that come from Palestinian communities abroad. For the ones that are lucky to be able to come to Bethlehem. And we go to the market, we discuss products, we discuss recipes, and it's fascinating to see how with time and with experience, things have evolved in those communities, but how things like maftul that my mother was talking about, and there's a recipe in, the, in one of the shows, still links every person who's originally from Bethlehem to Bethlehem. That's what's beautiful with food. It gets us together. It gets us to discover more about our identities. And some Palestinians that were born abroad and have never been allowed to come and visit Palestine preserve a very interesting 
memory of food. Rima, merci de te joindre à nous de, de Paris et merci d'être toi et tes sœurs, des gens qui écoutaient l'émission, qui, qui d'ailleurs cuisinaient des recettes de notre culture commune, la culture palestinienne. Je m'appelle Rima El Herfi, je suis architecte, je vis à Paris, je suis originaire de Bir Saber. Ce show pour moi, il est très important, en fait, parce que en écoutant ce podcast, ça me permet de découvrir que on a des des personnes palestiniennes qui sont extraordinaires et non au travers de la cuisine. En étant notre identité, on montre euh, au monde entier euh, ce qu'on est ou, et à quel point euh, cette terre nous appartient parce que c'est une culture qui est propre à nous. C'est notre identité, c'est euh, une, une très très belle carte de visite euh, euh, que, que fait ce show des fréquences euh, sur internet et, et, et en plus c'est d'une accessibilité extrêmement facile euh, j'ai découvert beaucoup 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 de de personnalités je, je suis beaucoup de, de personnes qui sont en rapport avec la cuisine palestinienne dans le monde grâce à ce show j'ai aussi beaucoup appris à cuisiner en réalité. J'ai découvert beaucoup de spécialités des différentes régions de mon pays. Moi, je suis née au Liban. Je n'ai jamais eu l'occasion, malheureusement, de pouvoir venir en Palestine. Et, euh, et ça m'a permis de voyager dans mon propre pays, chose que je ne peux pas encore faire. Et ça, c'est grâce vraiment à ce show-là. Et je trouve que c'est une formidable idée de le faire. Et euh, merci encore, Fadi. Thank you, Rima. I do hope one day you'll be able to come to Palestine, come to Bethlehem, and visit Bir Saber also, where you come from. This longing for cuisine, this longing for our food, is a bit what we tried to do with Sabah al-Yasmin by presenting traditional recipes. I was thinking in those moments of difficulty, how can we make people that are in confinement happy? Nothing's going well. People's lives are at risk. People's loved ones could be exposed to COVID-19. People were worried. A lot of people lost their employment. A lot of people were in limbo. They were at home. They didn't know what was going to happen. Would they be able to go to their jobs? Would they be able to go see their loved ones? And we all were in this situation. And the idea was to be able to provide for a few minutes a day, sometimes with short recipes that are a 10-minute recipe, or with in-depth interviews with people, a bit of joy, a bit of this, this push for people to want to cook, because when you cook, it's extremely therapeutic. At the beginning of lockdown, I, I was a bit lost between what to do and how to react and what to do with our restaurant, with the guest house, with our team, with our family, with our friends. There was a lot, and that was the reality for for most of the people across the planet. And I started with a recipe with bread, because bread is life, and... I realized how therapeutic it was to bake, but also 
how fantastic it is to have fresh bread in the morning that you've baked yourself. Rania joins us from the Emirates. Rania is Palestinian. Thank you, Rania, for being with us. Sabah al khair. My name is Rania. I'm an artist based in the UAE. Um, I've been listening to Sabah al Yasmin to keep me company during the isolation. I've been really enjoying Chef uh, Fadi's description of uh, our very precious ingredients and um, plants and crops and so on and how he uses them to create there's the traditional but also to create his own version of uh, some of these dishes and as well as these interviews and stories that he has um, that's kind of been in a way keeping me connected to Palestine um, I was never I've never been there I was born in the UAE so um, I like I still hold on to the little things, but food has been a big, um, a big factor in in making me really understand understand our story, um, and how there is that kind of identity still uh, stays with us. Like I I feel more connected with the food, and and that's why I've been really enjoying listening to Sabah Al Yasmin. Um, it's it's been such a fun thing to to tune into and listen to these stories, and I'm very thankful for that. Thank you very much, Rania, for for this feedback because that is what we are aiming to do on a daily basis: is to provide people with a bit of hope and a bit of entertainment and good food, hopefully. Now, we started with Palestinian food, Palestinian chefs, and then we started going a bit further away. So in the region, we went to speak with people in Syria, with people in Lebanon, with people in Jordan. And in Lebanon, we've had a few people speak to us. And today we have Neda, who's Lebanese, in Canada, who's joining us to tell us what she thinks of the show. Sabah al-Nur wal-Yasmin. Ismi Nada, bint Lebanon, living in Canada. My IG account is Mintan Zatar. Not very active on it, but I love the connection that I have made on that platform. One of these connections is Chef Fadi. Fadi, I love listening to your podcast, the simplicity and ease in which you conduct the conversation with your guests, talking about the authenticity of our food and how it connects us all. I always say, you can take me out of Lebanon, but you can never take Lebanon out of me. With your podcast, you prove that right. Be it Lebanese, Palestinian, Syrian, the integrity of our food is in our soul and heart. But for me, as much as I love listening to your guests, what I enjoy the most is listening in to your kind, soft voice, walking us through a recipe instead of reading it. So personal and mesmerizing. It gives the recipe that much more depth, connection, and integrity. Thank you. Alf Mabrug and cheers to health, love, always, always love. Nada. Thank you, Nada. Yes, food is about love. Food is about creating love in your plates, but it's also about sharing love with the people you care for. And it's also about sharing with people wherever they are. And we've been very lucky to have 
listeners from across the globe. Not only love, but hope. The bit of light, I keep saying light, and because light has been a very important theme for me. You know, the moment I closed down Fauda because of the lockdown, putting things away, closing down was, was difficult, but wasn't terrible. What was really, really hard was when I turned the gases off. Because for me, that instant of turning the gas off is the instant where light in the kitchen disappears. And it's been a theme that that's quite recurrent in some of the interviews. You know, what is our role as chefs? What is our role within our kitchens, because then we'll talk about our role in the larger community. But in our kitchens, what's our, what's our role? To oversimplify it, we apply heat or remove heat to food. We provide a bit of light in the plates we do. Light in the sense of transforming produce into a plate that has a story, a plate that has tastes, textures, that has a visual effect. It, it's a combination. Our job is a combination of a million things that go in and very often are summarized in a plate. But what counts more? Is it the plate or is it that moment the guest takes a mouthful of the plate? But by going beyond the region, we also discuss other cultures, we discuss concepts of cuisine. And I mentioned in the past, my grandparents lived in Japan. And I was very lucky to have on the show a Japanese writer. But also the, the slink with Japan has been ongoing, both on a personal level with this history of my grandparents in Japan but also on the Palestinian level, where the Japanese have been quite involved in the world of tourism um, in Palestine. And we've received quite a few Japanese visitors at the restaurant and at the guest house. And it's very interesting to see how there are similarities. One of them, which I, I always fascinates me, is Muluchia. Muluchia, the what's called Jews Mallow, is very present in the Levant and in Japan. So there are these, even though our cuisines are extremely different because we have terroirs that are different, we have cooking histories that are different. And I'm, and I'm very happy that Nagisha is joining us today. Konnichiwa, Bubie Marie Nagisa desu. Art Collection no archive no seri o shiteimasu. Sabari Yasumi no podcast wa シェフとゲストのやりとりがとても面白いと思いました。関口涼子さんの回では外資禁止令中の世界中の人たちにとっての料理の存在の大きさや大切さについての会話やシェフと作家の食や食材に対する愛を感じました。苦味と酸味のあ
、キッチンの火を消さなければいけなくなったシェフの悲しみや、温かい食事の温度、人と食べる喜び、生きているということを実感するための料理の存在について改めて考えるきっかけとなりました。とても有意義な番組でした。ありがとうございます。Nagisa, thank you very much. I am lucky that you did send me the translation of what you said. And you refer to this cooking of flight, cooking of prayer that we discussed、um, with Ryoko san, who was our guest. You know, this whole spirituality of cooking. There is an instant where, where a chef is a bit, a person all alone, a, a bit of a. Bit of a mad sorcerer. I actually was described once as a mad sorcerer by a writer who I respect enormously and I thought was very funny because that's how he perceived me when he was writing about the restaurant. We do have funny habits and we do have funny lifestyles and we, we're a bit strange chefs, you know, people who just blank out and start thinking of a taste or a texture. Or sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and they're in their kitchen trying something.、Um, I, I, I do accept that it's sometimes strange. But we're also lucky because when you're trying to cook, you're extremely curious of people's stories, of people's cultures. And this is what's been fantastic with the show is I've been able to exchange with people. In depth about their stories, about how they've come to cooking, how they've learned to enjoy cooking. But also, I've been lucky to have fantastic listeners that today use things like Instagram and our website and come back with questions, come back with requests and say, Oh, but you know, we'd love you to do this or that recipe. And I'm happy to be. One small, small, small actor within this large world of people who cook fabulously. And I'm happy that sometimes produce creates this link, sometimes a dish creates this link. We're going very far away now to the Indian Ocean, to a small island that I adore. One of the reasons I adore this island is I have very good friends there. Jean Marie is joining us from Mauritius. Sabah al khair, Jean Marie. Marhaba. Bonjour, Tijimoun. M'appelle Jean Marie. M'habite dans l'océan Indien, l'île Maurice. Et côte aussi, nous pensons beaucoup à la Palestine et surtout à Fadi. Merci, Fadi, pour ce bon podcast-là parce qu'il y fait moi revivre mon visite. De, dans la Terre Sainte et surtout qu'on、euh, euh, l'hospitalité extraordinaire euh, le peuple de, de Palestine qui et sa,、euh, sa chaleur là sa,、euh, l'enthousiasme là sa, l'optimisme là、euh, sa l'hospitalité là il reflétait dans la cuisine dans un produit et aussi、euh, qui vit encore plus Et la signification par alchimie qui te proposait dans de la cuisine. Hi guys, my name is Jean-Marie. I was just、uh, saying in in Mauritian Creole. I'm from、uh, the island of Mauritius in the Indian Ocean to say thank you、uh, to Fadi for his podcast. 
and uh, but it reminds me it brings me back to my visit to to Bethlehem and to Palestine and uh, through the uh, cuisine through the products you encounter the people their hope their uh, their hospitality and uh, with uh, Fadi as the magician and alchemist uh, of all this it brings us back hope and hope is uh, optimism and optimism as we all know is in an act of resistance uh, Fadi and uh, all the best to you all bye bye thank you so much Jean-Marie you have a very special link to Palestine You, we started our friendship years ago and I'll never forget being in Mauritius and helping plant with you an olive tree in this tropical island, which you had ensured to have in Mauritius as a link to Palestine. And this is what's fabulous with food, with olives, with za'atar, with lebanjamid, with sumer. It links us beyond. And I, I cannot tell you how proud I am when I have a friend, when I have a guest, when I have somebody who's come in to discover Bethlehem and goes and these the, <clears throat> and that person goes away with a bit of spices on their back, with a bit of olive oil. It just makes me so proud that they've taken a small piece of our cuisine with them and they'll be replicating something or creating something in their kitchens. What's great with Sabah Yasmin is that it's also provided a base to be able to explore further our role as chefs, our responsibility. And, and it stems actually from responsibility because originally when we were locked down, I started thinking, well, what can I do to go on as a chef in this reality? Can I provide my skills to help people that are in difficulty? And the answer was no, because it was a total lockdown and we weren't allowed to get out of our houses. And then I thought, well, I can't stay home idly and, and not do what I have to do. And that's how Sabah Yasmin came across, that I still wanted to be able to give people a bit of hope. But there's a fabulous organization that's doing this on a daily basis. And that is Food for Soul. We were very lucky to hear about Food for Soul from Massimo Bottura on the show. And today we're lucky to have Christina with us. Christina is joining us from Modena. She's been listening to the show sending me comments, sending me feedback, like most of the listeners that have been interactive. And, and that's really what's, what's fabulous is I feel I'm still at the restaurant. I feel I still go out and speak to people at the, their tables and, and they talk about the meal, but also everything else, including our responsibility as humans. Christina, thank you for joining us. Hello, Fadi. Hello, everyone. I'm Christina Reni. Uh, I'm Venezuelan, but I'm actually based, I live right now, and sending you this message from Modena, Italy, 
where I worked together with Massimo Vutura um, that you heard a couple weeks ago as a guest um, in this podcast. Um, so I worked together with him and his uh, wife, uh, Lara Gilmore, at Food for Soul, the nonprofit organization that they both founded. Um, as I said, we're based here in Italy, but we have projects um, around the world, um, in Brazil, uh, in the UK, in France, um, and also expanding. Um, right now, we've been in quarantine for um, more than two months, and we're ready um, to go into phase two um, of this process. Um, and I'm here to give you um, a bit of my thoughts um, on the on the podcast. Um, and I will do that in Italian. So, um, anzitutto è stato un vero piacere poter sentire le divagazioni di Fadi da Modena. Mi ha fatto molto piacere eh, perché ho sentito che ci ha accolti e ci accoglie ancora no? a tutti nella sua cucina, condividendo la sua cultura e le sue storie. Eh, penso che lui eh, è una testimonianza di come il cibo, giustamente anche in un momento in cui dobbiamo essere separati, ci porta a stare insieme a condividere con amici come Kamal, a cui ho conosciuto un paio di anni fa, eh, o persone da incontrare eh, eh, come Nohut. Eh, Fadi non si dimentica delle opportunità che abbiamo dalla cucina no? eh, per una transizione, per costruire una transizione, un sistema alimentare migliore, no? eh, migliore e per gli esseri umani ma anche per il pianeta quindi a porci delle domande importanti così come fa i su ai suoi ospiti e soprattutto mettendo la cultura al centro di tutto mentre sentiamo il rumore del taglio delle cipolle della sua cucina penso che possiamo immaginare il profumo delle ricette eh, che ci insegna ma imparare non solo le procedure, ma le origini, le trasformazioni e i significati che ci sono dietro, no? Le storie delle persone in giro per il mondo, così come la Sofia da Santiago, ehm, che, che ci fanno vedere che eh, il cibo non è una cosa che non cambia, è una cosa che, che ha una radice e che cresce, che si svolge. Quindi questo a me motiva non solo cucinare in cucina, nuove ricette, eh, o per esempio con lo zattar, che ho imparato che ci aiuta a essere più intelligenti, eh, e questa lo userò, eh, ma oltre a questo è eh, anche a continuare a scoprire il nostro mondo, così pieno di diversità, di sfide e di collegamenti, eh, così ricco. Grazie mille, muchas gracias Fadi. Eh, y estaré esperando tus nuevos episodios. Felicitaciones. Muchos saludos. Abrazos. Gracias mille, Cristina. Cristina, in today's world, we have to be aware, we have to be conscious of buying local, of sourcing local, of food waste, of our human responsibility towards other humans. And and you've been doing a fabulous job. And I hope 
we'll be able to all across the world follow in your footsteps. When I speak of buying local, it's something I do on a daily basis in Bethlehem. But it's also something that's extremely important wherever you are to try and adapt to the local terroirs. And then each cuisine has specific herbs, vegetables, which today you can find a bit everywhere. Um, how do we preserve them? How do we use them? How do we actually export them even and not destroy their environments? It, it's a whole series of questionings towards our relation to Earth. And I think it's fantastic that in Palestine we have such a foraging culture. We pick everything um, from Khubeza to Huerna to Waralsan, all the green leaves that are in nature we use. And you may have heard across the different shows, I, I keep asking some people about certain products. Very often they're forage products, and it's because foraging is, is part and parcel of our life. And foraging is also a guarantor of seasonality. You can't pick a herb that's seasonal and then use it all across the year. And it's, it's what's really giving us a rhythm in our kitchens, is all these new products that come up in season. And this, I, I'm telling you this, and I can imagine myself in the market when I go by Um Nabil, Neji, Abu Rashid, and one of them has a little bag and says, look, Fadi, I just picked the first Khubeza or the first Huerna. Now, this foraging makes specificities, but also some products are common to the whole region. And sometimes further away. Now we're going to go to Persia. Actually, we're going to go to Kuwait through Persia. And I'm very happy to have Vida join us. Good morning, Vida. Hello, everyone. My name is Vida Tayebi. I'm of Persian origin, but currently living and working in Kuwait in the F&B business. I was fortunate enough to meet Fadi here in Kuwait through a dear mutual Palestinian friend of ours, Rasha Khouri. I was struck by Fadi's passion for heritage, storytelling, and connecting people through food. The seed was well and truly planted to collaborate on a project together called Akub that would showcase the beauty that is Palestinian food, honoring Palestine's best produce and dishes by combining age-old recipes with contemporary culinary techniques. Ramblings of a Chef enables us to stay connected to Fadi, the food, the Palestinian people. His podcasts are nostalgic, mouth-watering, enchanting, educational, and always something to look forward to. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, cuisine does this. It allows us to go beyond borders. It allows us to create together, to think together. And Akub, I won't tell you about the project. I'll tell you about Akub. What is Akub? Because it's a bit of an obsession I have. So Akub is Gundelia. It's um, it's a thorn that has a very delicate taste. It's somewhere between artichokes and asparagus, I would say. And Akub is, is such an obsession that 
some people, some of our listeners, when I mention Aku, send me messages and say, oh, chef, please, 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 next season, keep me some. And they say, well, I'm not going to keep you some. Next season, if you're here, we'll be able to serve you some Aku. What's beautiful with Akub is that it's also time-consuming when you prepare it because it has all these thorns you have to remove. But it creates a moment of community where people prepare together, they cook it together, then maybe each one enjoys it alone because it's fantastic. And as I was saying, our cuisine and all cuisines allow you to go beyond the very narrow vision of things. It allows you to open your mind towards other cultures. It allows you curiosity towards other cooking techniques. It allows you to discuss without boundaries with other human beings. Maybe if you're a bit jealous on your culinary heritage, you want to protect it. And that's a question that's always very complicated. Do we protect our culinary heritage by leaving sacrosanct recipes? Or do we challenge our recipes and modernize them, but also preserve the, the originals? I don't have an answer. My answer is to, as I've been doing with the show, is to be able to recreate the traditional recipes, to master them because they're our base, but then also in the restaurant, what I do is I modernize Palestinian cuisine in a very personal interpretation. And that's what's great with being a chef is that you, you're you creating your own identity in your restaurant with the dishes you, you produce, with the dishes you create. And it's very, very personal. And it's a bit of this game with people where you know, they have, in the end, to, to like what's in, in the plate they've ordered. And you're trying to push boundaries. And, and that's also another discussion which we've had and I hope we'll be having in other episodes. Um, are there limits to modernizing a cuisine? Do we, you know, what is the th- that point that is between still being a chef or being a a scientist, or being a creative artist that forgets the essential role of a chef, which is to feed people. I'm not, and as you've most probably understood in the past uh, episodes, I'm not a fan of things like molecular cuisine. I still think authenticity of products is very, very important, even if you're modernizing cuisine. And using products that are from your own terroir is more important than trying to put forward only techniques for the sake of modernizing. But it's it's a very interesting discussion, and I think it will require a lot of sabahliyas means to be able to get to it. But the other thing is, we're touching on definitions of regions. There are terms I have a problem with, like Middle Eastern cuisine, European cuisine, North African cuisine. Each country, each city, each village have specificities that are very much theirs. We can't just say a region of the world has a cuisine. Yes, there are similarities in our tech box, definitely. There's a lot of things that are very different. There's a lot of things that 
grow at different seasons that give a different rhythm. There are a lot of different histories. And at the same time, as we were being told earlier on the show, cuisine is a bit a business card which represents a nation, represents a culture. And it's always very interesting to see how do you put forward a cuisine that's modern and national within a bit this miasma that was created over 30 to 40 years of calling things as regional cuisines, i.e. regional, the Middle East, North Africa, Europe. If you're in the south of Europe, you may have commonalities with the terroir there, with our terroir, but not necessarily with parts of North Africa. So to address this a bit, in coming episodes, we're going to be speaking to more chefs from the wider region of the Mediterranean, but really to find out more about their specificities. We're going to be speaking to people from across the world to hopefully bring you more lights on cuisines. And Samia is joining us from Tunis. Fadi Aslama from Tunis. حبيت نحييك على صباح الياسمين يعيشك ويعطيك الصحة حليت لنا عالم مطبخ جديد اللي هو عالم اللي يعطي قيمة الحاجات يومية والتنجم تظهر لنا بسيطة في المطبخ واللي هما بالعكس مهمة برشا بنسبة تاريخنا وهويتنا وثقافتنا في كل بلاد مش كان في فلسطين ولا تونس وانا سمعت وحبيت كل حلقة من صباح الياسمين وحبيت نقول لك فادي اللي انت شاف عظيم بس انت فنان كبير كبير في الستوري تيلينج وتوا انا قاعده نحلم بعالم اللي يسمح لنا نزوركم في بيت لحم وانا توا نحب نذوق اللبن الجميد والكنافه المختلفه اللي تعملوا فيها في بيت لحم وزيد نحب نتعرف على ام نبيل وكما احنا حكينا مع بعضنا لازم الحوارات المهمه هذه نكملوهم في برشا مكان وان شاء الله فادي احنا في تونس نستقبلوك في اقرب وقت شكرا ساميه شكرا كثير you know it's funny in, in those two shows where we've had listeners contribute i do realize how fantastic people are and how People are very much aware about food today. I hope we can go on providing you a bit of all these fantastic things you've described we do. I keep doubting and I, you know, I tell my team at the house every morning practically that doing some introspection is always important to be able to learn more and advance more in your knowledge. And the moment you start thinking you know everything is the moment you stop learning and you stop acquiring knowledge. It's been great. It's been 50 great shows. The reaction of listeners, the ones we've heard over the last two shows, but also the ones that have written and that write every day has been fantastic. We've been blessed with exceptional guest thank you to everybody and have a great day stay safe stay well